AJ, if you're going out on the town to get some pizza, where are you going? Bojo's. Easily. Easy choice. You don't even have to think about it. They are the original home of the true Colorado mountain pie. And for the DNVR fam, Bojo's is hooking you up with free honey cheese bread with the purchase of a pizza or entree or whatever you want from Bojo's. They have got you covered with amazing pizza with that honey infusion into the dough if that's your type of thing they also have you covered with four dollar happy hour with breck brew on tap a full salad bar and even gluten-free pizza if that's what you need they have you fully covered even have private rooms for events if you want to plan something like that head on over and check them out at bojos.com that's b-e-a-u jos.com and when you get in let them know about this dnvr ad and they'll hook you up with the free honey cheese bread let's jump into the show and cole gets another good righty and another right by cole a left by cole this time tipped in front by mika rentinen he shoots and scars nathan mckinnon Call J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You already know they have a ton of different beers to cover you, as well as wines from around the world, and even various single malts and rare whiskeys as well. Today, if you're listening on release day of this podcast, is the last day that you can get your 10% off when you download their app and use promo code FIRST10 on purchases of $25 or more. Get on it while there's still time, which literally less than 10 hours left. So go, 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 go. $25 or more, 10% off. Promo code first 10. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. The show that a lot of people have been waiting for and consistently asking us about for months now. It is that wonderful time of year where everyone's third line center is suddenly worth a first and a prospect. Trade deadline conversations. It's time to happen, AJ. Are you ready to overvalue everything? I am ready to, to to upset all that I know to be true in life in the name of trade deadline. All right. Well, it's always an exciting yelling match when it comes to trade deadline and the things surrounding it. So I wanted to jump in with something a little bit different. We've mentioned certain things around the team, Criders, Toffoli's, things like that. Something we have not mentioned is the Buffalo Sabres, a team that is pretty much out of the playoff race in the East at this point, despite being one of the highest spending cap teams in the league. And I had bored down specifically to one player that we know there was a little bit of interest around for the Avs in this last offseason in Marcus Johansson, who, 29 years old, on a $4.5 million deal the rest of this season and next. And throughout his career has been a 45-ish point-produced player over the last two seasons. He's dealt with some injuries and maybe is a little bit of a buy-low candidate, in my opinion. 
yeah, you know, had the injury problems in his New Jersey tenure. Uh, got to Boston and didn't do a lot until the postseason, and then was a big part of their playoff run. 11 and points in 22 games for them last year. Has rolled into Buffalo, and this is a really, really good example of like why you can't build around a guy like Marcus Johansson. Yep. Uh, and, and how Johansson needs to be what he was in Washington, and if for the sake of this conversation certainly what he would be in Colorado where he's not first banana, second banana, third banana, fourth banana. You're talking about that dude slides into a, a line next to next to Kadri probably. And, I and Burakovsky so. is like, that's where we would assume he would probably go. Um, maybe they put Donskoy there and have Johansson on the, in, in on the third line. And totally like add another dimension i maybe and just as a general rule of thumb if you're going out for the trade deadline i'm not looking for a guy to put on my third line i'm looking right. for a top we also guy. i mean we're talking about like designations of like second and third sure. line here but ultimately if the guy gets 16 minutes a night i don't care what line you say he's on that's about where i want him playing yeah Second line minutes, I guess, is a good way to put it. Yeah. So, because, you know, it, say 14, 15 minutes of even strength time and then a little bit of power play time as well. So, well, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, this this is he's a very good complimentary player, as he proved with Boston last year and is not a leading man, as he has proved both in New Jersey and again in Buffalo this year. He needs to be a guy that's surrounded by talent to get the best out of him. Now, I don't know how I feel about that kind of player. They're always interesting because it seems like, well, what if it's just he's got talent? He comes to Colorado. He's got talent. What if it's the wrong kind? You know, what? Like, he, he doesn't work next to Kadri. He doesn't work next to Comfort. Then what do you do? I mean, I wouldn't play him next to Comfort, first of all, because I think he's essentially just super Comfort. <laughs> okay. Uh, he does have that versatility, can play both sides, has even played some center. The yeah. abs have no need for him to play center. Uh, that's what I like about him, is you can kind of drop him in and move him around a little bit. So even if one guy is not a perfect fit, maybe you can try him next to McKinnon and, and have him do the Don esque role of do dirty work, dig pucks, whatever. And the key there is... Do you believe that he still can be the same player he was for Washington, as you said? Can he be a 45 or maybe even push for 50-point player in the regular season? Even just the Boston guy that he was in the postseason last year. That's nice and certainly something the Avs could use. But this is a team, if you're moving for a guy at the trade deadline, you want to be pushing for first in the central. So I think he needs to be able to produce in the regular season as well. Well, yeah, right. I'm just saying, like, the guy that he was in the postseason last year is he's a point five point per game guy. That's a I mean, he's a forty five point player. Yeah, that's so, true. That's like that's that's the guy he was in the playoffs last season. And I, I bring that up because that's a lot more recent. Washington is now several years ago. We saw it in Boston last year where he got to be a complimentary player. My question with Johansson is how comfortable would you be? If he doesn't work next to Kadri, how comfortable would you be if he ends up on your quote-unquote fourth line next to Jost and Comfer? But, but let me 
let me get this out real quick. Because <laughs> I, I already know yeah. you're saying no. <laughs> but that line goes from nine minutes to, say, 12 or 13 minutes. And essentially, you have two third lines because of the Belmar line as well. You play them both at, like, 13 minutes each. Because, to me, your quote-unquote fourth line at that point with Jost, Johansson, and Comfer, that's the most talented fourth line in the league. I... Again, I go back to I just don't see him as a good fit next to Comfer uh, or Jost, to be honest. I think I'm okay with him moving down a little bit, but in my head, I'd be much more looking at it as get him with Calvert and Belmar then on that line. Have him be the shooter. Get him as the setup man. Get, have Belmar and Calvert do all the work and let him put the goals in because this is a guy who scored 20 goals that's, in a season. That's a really Washington. like dirty working line. And that's, I kind of, I would prefer to just have either, you have two guys who fit great on that line already and Nieto and Dechushkin. So, I, and you can pick which one you want with them. And so that's why I'm avoiding having, that's why in this situation, me, I'm not putting Johansson there. I, guess I can understand that to a certain extent, but again, I'm not going out, especially a guy with another year on his deal, you're not going out to get him to put him on your fourth line, even if that fourth line is getting 13 minutes a night. That's just, that cannot be the plan, and if the plan has gone that far south, something has gone wrong. If you're getting 13 minutes a night, you're not really a fourth line. Like there isn't a fourth sure. line out there that's getting 13 minutes like, a night. I don't I don't care if that's the best most talented 3B line, whatever you want to call it. I you there's no way you're getting enough value out of Johansson there, even if it makes that line better. Okay. And that's a risk you have to take, right? If Johansson does backfire and that ends up what has to happen, then you're going to lose the trade. I think it's as simple as that. Well, and let's get into that part of it. What are you comfortable giving up to get him? You don't, have a, you don't have a second round pick, which would be the easiest price point. Right. I mean, you're probably looking at a third and something. You would say two thirds? You'd have to consider two thirds. I'm really, this is where I want to get into Buffalo's situation because okay. right now they're completely up against the cap. However, they only have five forwards signed through 21, 2021. So they have a ton of RFAs and UFAs coming up and it's going to be a really weird off season for them because they are going to have to pay a good amount of money to replace some of these guys in free agency. They're also going to have to pay some RFAs and Sam Reinhart and Brandon Montour. So I, they might be looking to shed Marcus Johansson's contract anyway, to be honest with you, because they have $25 million wrapped up in their top three forwards, Eichel, Skinner, and Acaposo. And they need to fill this out. Their prospect pool is not great. They have Dylan Cousins. That's about it. Casey Middlestat is what he is at this point. A guy like Erasmus Asplund has not produced at all in the NHL. So they really don't have a lot of ELCs to come in and take the weight off for them. So it's... I think they're in a really tough spot, and that's why I, I'm looking at someone like Johansson as someone that Buffalo is going to have to do something, and maybe the Avs can get someone like a Johansson for cheap. Okay. Um, if they were going to do that, though, you'd think that there'd be some competition, right? Right, and that's where things come down. You know, if 
some other team blues roll up and say, Hey, we really like him. He fits our style and we'll give you a, a second and plus, then what are you going to do? But that I yeah. think it's an option that the Avs should be interested in that. I haven't heard anything about up to this point. Oh, okay. I mean, I really liked Mojo at the deadline last year as an interesting guy. Um, and then going into uh, free agency, he was certainly a guy we talked a lot about. Yep. As an interesting, uh, as as a very versatile player that uh, can, can kind of just fit into whatever gap you need him to. Yep. 100%. I- and that's, I, for me, that's a big appeal because I'm not afraid to play him on a fourth line or a third line or whatever. I'm not, a, I would not be afraid to move him down there. Uh, and then turn that into another talent advantage. Every time that line steps on the ice, they're better than the other guys on the ice. And having a guy who's capable of 40 points going up against third pairing defense and, you know, an opposing team's fourth line or third line or whatever, like that's just another advantage. I guess I kind of look at it as the opposite way of you then. Like I like that because I'm comfortable moving him up. Well, and, and if he moves up, then a guy like Donskoy or Burakovsky is moving down, and you're right, still exactly. getting that advantage. Sure. That it's advantage is the point for me, is that it's one more guy that's going to be good enough that he could fit into a lot of different areas on your roster and is versatile enough that you're willing to to try him in a lot of different places if something doesn't work. Like, yeah. it's not a guy where it was like with Broussard, once he fell out of the top six last year, you were like, what uh, now? Right. Yeah. Like I didn't like playing him in the, on the fourth line last year because it just didn't feel like you were getting anything out of him. Yep. But that had more to do with the player just feeling washed than anything else. I don't think that's the case with Mojo. I would agree there. I Only 29. I mean, that's not super young or anything, but we're not talking about mid thirties or anything. Well, Even like, after coming, the second year coming off of like, like, like relative success here. You know, Broussard was a buy low guy because there were his his game had completely fallen off a cliff and he'd been traded twice in the same season. Now, right. he's been a nice bounce back guy for the Isles this year. Uh, but, you know, there's a reason we're calling him a bounce back guy. Yeah, because he was way down. Yeah, exactly. He was I mean, he signed in like August for a million and a half. So yep. this was a this was a guy who like had to wait a long time and. That's the example. That's that's the model of a guy that I don't want to relive. And using Mojo as a as a target here, uh, I'm not worried about that because if you put him on the fourth line, I'm comfortable with him down there. But I would want to play the fourth line more. I'll I'll agree with that. I I still think if he ends up on the fourth line, that's a failed trade. But I, I certainly I, I wouldn't mean, feel if, as if bad if, about if it. If your fourth line ends up producing regularly, it's not though. And again, like we're using a designation here of like a third or fourth line. Sure. Right. I'm it. We remember like not all those lines are created equally this year. Colorado's fourth line plays 10 minutes a night. Last year it played five or six. Yeah. So, you know, that's the, that's the difference when your roster is that much better. And why I say a guy like Mojo would, you, you could bump them up even more at that point. Yeah. So again, I think, I just wanted to bring that one up because I do think it's a realistic target that will be out there. What but... do you What do you think about a, moving a guy like Nieto in that deal? Like they need to shed money, but he's sure he's a pending yeah. UFA, and you kind of I mean, like you get something for him, and 
I don't know that I mean, that's great value for Mojo from Buffalo's standpoint. But just conceptually, right? It, you're not knocking another player down the depth chart that way. You're freeing yeah. up a spot. That makes sense. And that's like, and Mojo's the kind of guy you don't want to get in a Jost deal because you're giving up like a really, really young player for a temporary guy. I mean, if I'm moving uh, Jost, I want something. First of all, I want it to be a much bigger package than like a one for one. Right. 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 Exactly. There's a whole lot of other moving pieces. Yeah. I want it to be, that's just a personal, I want that to be a, a larger deal. Uh, where if you're going to upgrade, upgrade. Yeah, you know, that, get get something that is a bona fide upgrade. Whereas Mojo, you're like, oh, he, he'll be here for two playoff runs, and then he probably leaves. That's if you're moving Jost, you're getting into my fantasy trade for Sam Reinhart instead. At that point, well, let's but, let's this is run long a little bit, but let's touch on that real quick anyway, since we're already on Buffalo. Right. So, kind of the same conversation that I had already. They're going to have to spend a lot of money in free agency. Keep around guys like Brandon Montour. Reinhardt is an RFA at the end of this year due for a big raise as well. So they're going to have to manage that. I can't, I don't think Reinhardt will be something that they're looking to move, but if the right offer comes along, maybe they're open to it. Certainly Buffalo has never shied away from pulling the trigger on big moves like that. How would you do that? uh, Obviously a first is going to be involved right off the bat. And you're probably looking at, at least Connor Timmons and another B plus prospect. Yeah. I mean, I think it would de- definitely Timmons is a great starting point. Um, do you think that they would want to shed more of those contracts? Like maybe the Colin Miller deal? Yeah. I mean, if you can get the value down by taking on some of that, some of that yikesiness, Miller's deal, it's three years. They'd be okay. It's, it comes off two, when Kadri's deal comes off. It's yeah. two more years at 3.875 for a third-pairing defenseman who's a right shot. And as we saw, like has a history of solid success on good teams, uh, both in, in uh, Boston and in Vegas. But again, goes to Buffalo where everybody seems to struggle. I mean, yeah, you'd have to look at like, there's a good chance they're going to be shedding a Zadorov or a Cole anyway in some other deal. Right. I and mean, how funny would it be to send Zadorov back? <laughs> back to Buffalo. Yeah. Because that would make sense. Like, he's a younger guy, really fits a lot more of the profile of what they need defensively. Um, You know, he's got two years of RFA left, so they could probably, he'll probably be cheaper than Miller's 3.875. I mean... Not much cheaper. No, but cheaper. And when you're up against the cap, man, every $600,000 matters. That's true. No argument there. It it would make a difference. I, I just don't know if they'd be too interested in, in Zadorov. Yeah, I, mean, I don't you, I don't either. I have no idea. I, if you circle back around to Tyson Jost, though, I, you know, I don't know how much interest is, there would be from them there, but certainly you're saving a lot of money. If you're dropping Jost in and giving him a chance on your second, third line, you're going to be paying him what? Like 1.5 or something at most based at, on his oh, current Oh my production. God. At absolute most 1.5 seems even heavy handed. And on, on the flip side, the abs are going to end up paying Reinhardt 7 million or something right now. I mean, he's what a consistent 50 to 60 point player. So yeah. I, 
I really think if the abs could get a Reinhardt, like they have one of the best forward cores in the league at that point, and they already do, but it, that is the kind of meaningful upgrade that they should be after. Right, exactly. Not the min-maxing mojo type, which is acceptable in its own kind of form, but like a Reinhardt type is a big step forward for them. But you'd really have to make it worth Buffalo's while. Like, I don't know that I don't know that Jost does that. Timmons is a great piece uh, that makes a lot of sense in that deal. I don't know that Jost, like, they've got their own Jost problem with Casey Middlestat. Yeah, Casey Middlestat's just a bust, though. So do they do they want to do they want to have that same conversation, you know, with Jost at the same time that they're dealing with Casey Middlestat? I mean, I think Jost is a bit more reliable than Middlestat when it comes to being able to play a third line or bottom six yeah, role. For we've them, seen one but... guy succeed in the bottom six, and the other guy will never succeed in the bottom six. Right, but. Either way, I mean, it's hard to hash out whether, you know, do they want Joe? do they want Zadorov? I just, I don't know what their front office would be after exactly at this point. But Timmons, a first, and then something. Is it Jost? Is it Zadorov? Is it another high-end prospect? That's, I, I think realistically, you'd be looking at that, and even then, Buffalo might want more. Where, what would be, if you were going to start a dialogue for Reinhardt, what's your offer? Uh, so starting a dialogue or what's my final offer? Um, dialogue. Go quick because so, okay. I got to. Yeah. Timmons and a first and I don't, I throw like Ranta on there as a starting point. Cool. Okay. And then you could work from there, but. We're going to wrap up this first period because we've been going for a hot minute now, and it's time to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. They just had their awesome watch party with the Nuggets the other night, announcing their new beer to the world of the Mile High City, which is a very nice beer. We have a ton of it in the office, so I got a chance to try a little bit of it. You might have seen it on the Goaties when I was drinking it there. It's an awesome new copper lager that they have. Highly recommend you check it out as it starts to get distributed pretty much everywhere to your local liquor stores and all of that. Or just keep an eye out for your usual favorites like the Colorado Avalanche Amber Ale as well. And yeah, come out for our next events. Check it out on the DNVR.com, the Breckenridge event calendar. We do have an abs watch party coming up in February. I believe it is on the 22nd as well. And yeah, I'm sure we'll have a bunch of other stuff going on. So just keep an eye on it and we will be back in period two. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine and Spirits. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. We're talking trade deadline, which is less than a month away now. It comes quickly. Again. Another name that we haven't heard of, this time coming on AJ's side of things. Sounds like there's something going on with Anaheim, potentially. Yeah, so... uh, You know, it's deadline time. So, uh, you start to hear things around the league. You start to pick things up here and there. And uh, a couple days ago, I got uh, one of those little tidbits from somebody that uh, the Abs and Ducks had engaged in conversation. And I thought, perfect. I've been talking about Ricard Raquel for months. <laughs> and 
apparently it was in relation to the Chris Kreider talks, which imagine this. The Rangers are asking for more than the Avalanche are comfortable with with, with for Kreider. So uh, the Avs are doing their due diligence and looking around. And that landed them in a conversation with the Anaheim Ducks. And a name that I hadn't thought about because I didn't think it would be one that they would be willing to move, but apparently is uh, at least under discussion, but Andre Kasha. Yeah, and it, it's certainly an interesting one. Kasha's only 24. He's a right shot, right winger. Mm-hmm. Has a lot of things that you don't really see get moved at the deadline for a, a younger guy. Has another year left on his deal at two point six million. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the actual production numbers there as well because he's yet to really play a full NHL season at this point, whether it be injury mm-hmm. or spending time in the AHL or whatever. But it's certainly not a name I was expecting to see at all. An interesting guy because a major analytics darling. Yep. He fits two things that make a lot of sense for the avalanche. He's a major analytics darling and he fits their kind of balling on a budget style. <laughs> I mean, I think that's everybody's style in the NHL, but yeah. If you can, right? Like but we've seen them like Burakovsky's a little on the overpaid side, uh at least coming into the season. Yeah. Now, you know, <laughs> You'd love to see him sign a contract at that at Which that this number. Was a three-year deal now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But coming into the year, you were like, "Ooh, that's an expensive qualifying offer." And P.S. The primary reason why Washington moved yeah. him was because they couldn't afford his qualifying offer. So, um, that and Kadri uh, at the number that he's at for a couple more years, like the abs, the abs are very much still like keeping the salary cap in mind, which is why I say they're kind of balling on a budget. And Kasha signed for 2.6 next year. Like that, that, that gives them a say, say they get him that immediately replaces Matt Nieto's money with a guy that's significantly better. Yep. Pretty. And yeah, exactly. And like for one year. So, you know, and, and at 24 years old is not a guy that you have to, you're having, like, go back to the last segment, Marcus Johansson, 29 years old, you're having the, okay, well, he signed for another year, that's great, but what happens when it's done? With with Kasha, you're saying, this could be a guy that ends up in Colorado for four or five years. Right, you you know, depending on how his play goes, you get to the end of that next year, and you're talking about a $5 million-ish deal at current rates. And... The, the the big thing here for Anaheim is the injury history. Right. That's I mean, that's the biggest drawback to me, for sure. And this is this is a guy he played 30 games last year, uh 66 the year before, 53 the year before that, but was splitting time between the AHL and NHL. Yep. So injuries have been a problem. Uh he is not a big guy. Uh, he's listed at six foot, 190 pounds. You never really know how accurate that is, but even if it's off by 10 pounds and an inch, you're not talking about yeah, that, uh, a very, a very big guy here. He's, he's pretty slight. Like he's, he's, it, it's fine, right? Like he's not small. He's not a guy. Yeah. Who, 
Exactly. He's he's very average size, but has shown himself to be a little bit on the brittle side. So that's a concern. Yeah. Um, major, major, major analytics, darling, because the underlings are big time. I was showing them to you yesterday and you were like, huh? <laughs> it's a, really? There's a whole lot of big positive numbers. <laughs> yeah. There's like when you look at them. And you start to compare them to other players, you're like, holy smokes. Yep. Why isn't this guy a superstar? (laughs) And so, you know, with the Avalanche getting, uh, you know, they have been very analytic savvy on a lot of these acquisitions that they have made uh, in the last year. This would definitely fit that profile. And I think an interesting thing this year has been quite a bit different. But in his two previous injury-riddled seasons, he's been a goal scorer in his 66-game season. He scored 20 goals. He had 11 goals in yep. 30 games in 18-19. So he's mm-hmm. fully capable of putting the puck in the net. This year, he only has six in 44 games. And this is where you're talking about him as maybe a bit of a buy-low guy because it depends on what you believe to be true Yeah, about him. Right. Is this more indicative of future performance? Or are the ducks bad? Is this is this the outlier on a bad right. team? If you know the answer to that question, uh, there's 31 hockey teams looking to hire you right now. Exactly. <laughs> so, what would surprise me? What surprises me about uh, this potential availability, though, is he is only 24 and he is signed for cheap, and they have much bigger problems on their roster. You know, they have Ryan Kessler's career might be over. You know, they've got uh, they've got Adam Henrique going into his 30s, signed at just under six million. And like, he's an okay player. Ryan Getzlaff is 34 years old and is making over eight million dollars. Man, that one extra year on that is brutal. He's still an effective player. He's. And like an all time franchise. Great. So. Right. I I understand it, but he's not eight million dollar good. Which makes me think if they were going to move him, just retain half. I'm yeah. He also has an NMC, so he would have to agree. But yeah, but I mean, we don't see we don't see those used often for the older guys. Yeah, I would say that this would not. It would not surprise me if he exercised his because he's like, look, I've been here my whole career. I'm not moving my family for one year. So you never know, basically. Right. There's even talk that Joe Thornton is open to a deal this year. So who knows, right? But like this is this is a team that's sort of in a weird spot because they have a lot of guys that are tied up that they are committed to in future years. But then they also do have that young crop coming through with guys like Terry, Max Jones, Sam Steele, mm-hmm. Max Comtois. Uh, Braden Tracy, they just drafted. Right. So of all of these teams, the Ducks really do have that reload coming very, very quickly. So they have a lot of replacements yeah. in the pipeline. Definitely. I mean, Lundestrom is, is like bouncing, actively bouncing back and forth between their NHL and AHL teams all the time. Yep. So, so you're talking, I mean, you're, you're talking about a team that does have the young guys that could come in and, What's curious for me is the Avalanche think that Chris Kreider's too expensive. 
Chris Kreider, 29, and going on going into UFA. Andre Kasha, 20, he's 24 years old and signed for another year. I don't know why he would be cheaper. I mean, let's just say theoretically they were the same price. Who do you take? Oh, geez. Uh, what's my goal? <laughs> Am I competing for one year or five years? That is the question, I think, a little bit. and Because I think Kreider, for one year, certainly, you like what Kreider has done over the course of his career. He's a very effective player, 20-goal guy consistently. Um, every goaltender's worst nightmare. Yeah. But Kasha, I mean, younger and can play. I, if he's healthy, I would very much, I have always through the past couple of years, even have leaned towards the idea that the abs are building towards a cup window here. And I think Kasha fits that much better than a Chris Kreider in the sense that you can go out and get him and say at very least, okay, he's going to be a solid piece for us through this cadre contract. Yeah. You would have to resign him for a, a one of those years, but. I do think, on the whole, it sets the abs up better. I... Yeah, the the one question I would have is, like, where does he fit? Because then, not only, I mean, then at this point, you are talking about the next couple of years. You have your big three up front, and this is assuming Landeskog doesn't go anywhere, which I feel like is a safe assumption. I, yeah. You've got Kadri, Donskoy, Comfer all signed for multiple seasons. You have Calvert and Belmar for at least next season. You know, and then you have two young guys in Jost and Kamenev who are RFAs. Burakovsky's an RFA. We fully expect that they will give him a multi-year deal. Nachushkin is an RFA. Could get a multi-year deal, I guess, but probably will get a one-year deal and we'll see. Like, where does he fit? And then the big question is, is you got a grip of guys. You got a grip of first-round picks and some other guys that are going to be pushing. I mean, you have Shane Bowers, who's already knocking on the door. Martin Kaut, since coming back from injury, has been what we wanted Martin Kaut to be. Yep. Um, you've got Alex Newhook ripping up the NCAA. So even if it's not this year for Newhook, you're certainly looking at next season. Yeah. So where where does that fit? And this is not me making a case for Kreider over Kasha. Just saying, if you're going to go out and you're going to get another young guy that's in his prime and that you don't have to worry about developing and this and that, like, you have to at least start giving some of these guys up in these deals. Right. And like maybe that's a Jost deal. Sure. It, it absolutely could be another situation you can look at there. Maybe you look at you're leaving someone like Donskoy exposed in expansion draft time. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, or, you know, something along those lines. I'm just looking through the Avs lineup here right now. Kasha in a lot of ways, fits into their lineup like a younger Donskoy. He's that right shot that they can drop in, ideally next to Kadri and probably Burakovsky. See, you're comparing him to Donskoy, and I think he's a much better comper. That's how I see Mojo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But same kind of difference, right? You can have that type of player in the lineup. Realistically, you're looking at probably Donskoy's spot in the top six, maybe Burakovsky's. I would not. I would want to have Burkowski and Kasha. Yeah. I want to give them both. I would agree, but so it, I do think it's an upgrade and 
the question, as you already posed, is it a significant upgrade? Who is he going to be the rest of the season, all of next year? Where does that set his contract and the future for him? So if, if I feel like he's a 20, 20 goal, 45 point guy. Yeah. Again, relatively conservative estimate. Not expecting a, like a major breakout here, right? I mean, if he goes to, if he gets to that level, if he gets to 20, 20 goals and 45 points, like you have a solid player on your hands. You have a good, you have a good second line player on your hands. Yeah. Great. But you have a couple of those guys, you know, Burkowski is that guy. Kadri's a little more than that guy. Donskoy has proven that he can be that guy as well. You know, now, now uh, it's the same kind of story, right? You're, you're, there's a glimmer of hope there that he can be Sam Reinhardt, but you don't have to pay for Sam Reinhardt. <laughs> you are hoping that maybe this summer, if things go really well, you sign him to like the Comfer extension, right? right? Like a, exactly. several years in the mid threes. Yep. So, oh, I I wouldn't have any complaints about that. I, you know, be interesting, man. He would be, and as a as another like skilled guy yeah it would just be because he's not he's not like a he's not like a traditional like grinder type right no he's not gonna go deep into the zone and and dig pucks not of that colin wilson-esque style of right like like wall like board battle extraordinaire Right. right but he's very effective you look at all of his underlying numbers it's all going the right way. His shot, like his shot charts are insane, man. I was showing them to you yeah, yesterday. It, They're insane. And his like percentage of shot involvement is outrageous for his line mates. Like, right. Like his, like relative to his team, like he's driving play better than basically anybody on the Ducks. Yep. And like, yes, I get that. That's a bad team. I understand that. But that's also reason to believe that that's six goals is a mirage. Because you, if you get this guy, you're betting that one of two things is a mirage. The six goals and not the driving of play. And, and this is where things get a little bit dicey to me. Because this is a lot like the Burakovsky situation. You're betting on this again. And great. I believe in the analytics a lot to a certain extent. But you mm-hmm. keep making this bet. Eventually, one of them is not going to work out. Which is okay, but if you're betting consistently on process leading to results, that's a much smarter bet than the river. And so this gets than a guy who is outproducing his process by a significant amount. I'm with you on that, but this gets into the value conversation. What are you giving yeah. up for Kasha? Boy, <laughs> the only the uh, coming into this week. Before I was told that there was interest in the player, coming into this week, I would have said that the value for him had to be pretty high. But if it's lower than Kreider, supposedly lower than Kreider, I really don't know. I mean, what uh, is the assumption that Kreider being too expensive means they want a first? I took it that way. Okay. So. Because I wouldn't want to give up a first for Kasha either. Right. I. And the Avs don't have a second this year, right? But I will. I mean, what if what if they say, "Hey, we'll do Shane Bowers for Kasha one for one"? 
boy. I really like Bowers, but like Kasha is a can. Can they do Kasha the Martin Cout for Kasha instead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like you're already, yeah. You know, you're already moving in the right. Wrong I know, I know, point. but like, why would you value? Is is the, just the center position for Bowers, or is it just that he's been really good in the AHL? Uh, it's more just that. Kasha is quickly already becoming what I want Martin Kaut to be. <laughs> and I understand their process is very different. Martin Kaut probably more valuable on the PK, things like that. But Right. Like we'll play different roles, but I know what you're saying. Yes. And we talked about it earlier. You're going out and getting another guy like this. That solves a little bit yeah. of a problem. All of a sudden you don't need that spot for Kaut because it's Kasha's. I, you know, if you could find a taker for Belmar over the summer and give that job to Bowers, yeah. it feels like life gets easier. <laughs> but Belmar's also been so dope that you're not in any kind of a hurry to do that. Right. I mean, you know, if someone comes out and offers you something worth it, then you have the conversation. But And yeah. and we know certainly the Avs are, are never quick to sell off anyone. So Definitely. I mean... Definitely don't want, and I don't like the idea that they would be in a hurry to sell off UFAs, guys who signed with you recently. Right. I think that personally, I think that's bad business. Players pay attention to that kind of stuff. You sign, you sign in a place you want to be there, and if you do that, and then they they move you within a year, I think that erodes player trust. Like you understand to a point that it's a business, but you also just moved your family there. You committed to this place, right? And then within a year, they move you. I'm, I just personally, I think it's bad business. If there's a good enough deal on the table, you just don't worry about it. But I do think you want to be cognizant of treating people well because the hockey players, it is a fraternity and they talk and they, you know, there's a reason that certain organizations end up on every no trade list. And it's not because of the lack of parks in Winnipeg. Got them. Uh, well, Certainly something to consider. I do think Colorado, certainly under Joe Sackick's tenure, has been very aware of those type of things. They've always yep. been and very loyal. Yeah, I think it has served him really, really well. That player experience, the player perspective, and building up his reputation as a guy that is uh, very pro player, I think helps them when it comes to going after players and keeping them long term. I think there's trust there, and I think that it's, I just think it's it's a really smart approach to uh, building an organization that has a reputation as one that does everything correct. Players want to play for those organizations. And for a long time, that wasn't the case here in Colorado. And I think Sackick has done a good job of turning some of that around and getting it back to what it was like when he was a player, where people wanted to play here. Players wanted to be here because the team was competitive and the organization was first class, and it took care of its own. And I think that's a big part of this. All right. Well, I like to hear that, but it's time to wrap up the second period. And something Colorado can offer, which is something hockey players might often need, is Green Mountain Dental Group. They can take care of those hockey teeth for you. It's obviously important to take care of your teeth. 
And Green Mountain Dental Group is giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush. When you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, all you have to do is take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to give you a free Sonicare. You can check them out today, 303-988-0711, or schedule your appointment online. Get on it while you can. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Ruto and AJ. We've talked about Anaheim. We've talked about Buffalo. These are a little bit of new things. One of them, certainly there's some conversation around. The other one, just an idea out of my head. So take them for what you will. Now it's time to kind of revisit some things we've talked about a little bit in the past on question shows, things like that. And I wanted to start with the San Jose Sharks because their collapse has just continued to go off with explosions everywhere as not only have their struggles continued, Thomas Hurdle is now out for the rest of the season for them. Logan Couture continues to be out with a significant leg injury. They just have absolutely nothing going for them. It it screams a team that is looking to sell at the deadline, basically. And it's just been ugly in San Jose, basically. Fascinating, isn't it? It uh, it can all collapse pretty quick. I wonder what Eric Carlson's thinking right now, to be honest. There, there were two teams in the last two years that went super, super all-in, go for it. Yep. And one of those teams took a ton of flack for it. And, and it wasn't San Jose. And it wasn't San Jose, and the team that took a ton of flack for it is back in a playoff spot. Funny how hockey works sometimes. And San Jose got a free pass, and maybe rightfully so, just because it's like, look, San Jose, like, we talked about it on yesterday's show. San Jose has missed the postseason six times in their entire history, and four of them came in their first six seasons. Yep. Some of those like, seasons were bad, too. <laughs> Yeah, when we were looking at it, and it was like the one where they lost 71 games in regulation in their second year. And then their third year, they made the playoffs. And you're like, oh, huh, that's weird. <laughs> but point being, um, this is the end for them. Like, as as much as everybody, you know, mocked Columbus for going all in and whatever like they still had young players on the roster they still had talent there and they had multiple prospects that they swear they really liked at goaltender when they watched uh Bobrovsky leave in UFA yep and maybe do them an enormous financial favor and San Jose that's not the case San Jose doesn't have goaltending uh but they've spent significantly on it they used a first round pick to get Martin Jones they have four more years of Martin Jones at $5.75 million. And he's already 30 years old. What do you do there? Not only that, but you've got three defensemen. This is my favorite. This is my favorite stat, right? <laughs> San Jose is spending $32 million on their defense. They sure are. And that includes three defensemen who are making under a million dollars. You gotta love it. Twenty-seven million on three, the other three, when then they they carry seven. Yeah, twenty-six and a half million dollars of the thirty-two is spent on three players, the youngest of whom is Eric Carlson at twenty-nine. 
and all of them are signed through the age at least of 37. Yeah, they're all signed through at least the 24-25 season. <laughs> that is just... Not only that, but you look at the top of the roster, Evander Kane, Logan Couture. Yep. You know, Logan Couture is 30 years old, $8 million in year one of an eight-year deal. Right. That's Evander good. Kane has five years left after this at $7 million. But he's 28. For me, that's solid. Right. That It wraps up around 34. That's reasonable. Yeah. You'll take that chance with Evander Kane. The, the question is, is, do you now move on from him? Because if you look up and down their roster, there are a couple of guys. You're, not, you're no longer talking about trading Tomas Hurl because it's a major knee injury. Yep. Um, second in his career as well. Logan Couture is your captain. You're probably not going to be able to. You probably don't want to move. So now you're, and Timo Meyer should be off limits. He's 23 years old. Bank on your ability to rebuild around him during his career. If it doesn't uh, work, you can do it quick because that poison pill at the end is coming. Right. But like you're even then at that point, like you might be able to live with that. If he right. continues to blossom at 26, you know, he'll be what, 26 years old when that thing bests. So it's like, eh, you might take that chance. He might right. be a $10 million player by then. But anybody else on that roster, especially in the forward core, like Kevin LeBanc and Evander Kane, those are the two guys that they should absolutely be looking to deal. I would. Especially because Kevin LeBanc came out and said some stuff recently. Yeah. Where he came out and was like, look, I took a super team friendly below market deal so that we could have the money to bring all the bring the boys back and try again next year. This isn't what I signed up for. When a player feels that way, you have a problem. Yeah. Clearly not happy with the organization there. And I mean, what, how they have to blow it up, right? It, this organization cannot continue as is with this core and make it work. Partly because you have guys that are 40 years old, like Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe sitting on this roster that, I may not even be in the NHL next year. Yep. So they're and, just... and the big thing here, they don't have their first round pick this year, which yep. is belonging, which belongs to Ottawa and very likely now is going to be a top 10 pick for all, yep. all the shit Ottawa took. They <laughs> turned around and did exactly what happened to them. Yep. And for me, like I'm, Kind of happy for him, actually. I felt bad rooting against them. Happy for the fans. Yeah, I'm never going to be happy for Eugene Melnick for anything. Right. But that organization, plenty happy for. But you go back and you look in there the last couple of years. Let's just go back to 2000. I don't know. What what do you think is appropriate? 12? Sure. Because those guys should all be in their primes right now. 2012, Tomas Hurdle in the first round. Thumbs up. 2013, Mirko Mueller, thumbs down. Didn't work. 2014, Nikolai Goldobin, thumbs down. I mean, at least he's an NHLer, but. Well, you could say the same thing about Mirko Mueller, but not playing for the organization anymore doesn't matter. Thumbs did not get anything meaningful Fair. in return. Thumbs down. Yep. Timo Meyer in 2015, thumbs up. The one year they missed the postseason, they get the ninth pick in an all time great draft. Good job. Yep. No first in 2016. 2017, Josh Norris traded to Ottawa. 
2018 first round, Ryan Merkley, God knows what that's going to be. But I can tell you right now, is that the kind of defenseman that a, a defense that is saddled with Brent Burns and Eric Carlson for the next eight years needs? Not only is it not that, it's been pretty rough sledding so far since he's been drafted. So, like, even if he gets through all of the attitude issues and he manages to break out, because I mean, you look at uh, he finally got dealt from the Peets, lands with the Knights, and he's having a great statistical season which has been his hallmark his entire career. He's always been a major producer of points. That's great. But again, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are on that defense for the next eternity. And that's literally what they do. (laughs) So that's the tough sledding. 2019, no first round pick. 2020, no first round pick. That organization is screwed if they don't get bold and start moving some guys. They should be moving Evander Kane for a first-round pick, whatever they can get. Like, And Evander Kane should have rebuilt most of his value by this point. Because when they got him, they didn't have to pay very much for him. But he's a, he's he's on his way to a potential 30-goal season for the second straight year, uh, for, the I think, the third time in his career. So he's, he's 28 years old, and he's signed for a bunch of years at $7 million, which will get less expensive, which will be less painful as the years go on. Yeah. And I mean, contending team of Andrew Kane should be a, a serious consideration. Right. It, and I think he's, in a lot of ways, he's the best of all worlds for the Avs as, as a target, ag- ignoring cost. We'll get to cost in a bit. but Even, even considering cost, to be honest. I mean, yes, but I think cost does change the conversation a little bit. If you're looking strictly at the player, you have a term. Great for the window. Also great for the immediate because he can be a significant impact player right away. Yep. Unlike the question marks around someone like Kasha. Definitely. And fills a little bit of what they're after. Exactly. He's he a, has he's a very, good goal score, very good goal scorer. Definitely has that gritty side. Uh, definitely has that kind of scumbaggy feel to him that the Avalanche need a little bit more of. And he plays the wing. And he's a left wing specifically which is the Avs are a lot lighter on the left side now with Burakovsky stepping up. Yeah. So a very good fit. And then I know there's somebody listening to this, losing their mind about personality and locker room cancer and all of that. All I will say is that he has been no issue since he got to San Jose. He's still a little outspoken when it comes to social media and things like that, but the man has a right to be himself. You don't have to like him, but he has a right to an opinion. And he has a right to feel, you know, like he's he's allowed to be who he is. And I, I as long as the guy's not out there, you know, committing crimes and being like <laughs> a bad dude, like a legitimately bad dude, I don't care if he's a little bit unlikable. I just don't. And we've seen him in a veteran locker room uh, that he walked into San Jose and they basically said, we're not going to put up with your shit. And he fell in line and got and and immediately. I'm I'm sorry, but the first time he tries to, if he were to come to Colorado, the first time he tries to get uppity about anything, Nathan McKinnon's going to be like, "Nope, you are not Ain't getting between me and here. a Stanley Cup." Yep. And then standing behind Nathan McKinnon is going to be like an armada of male models. <laughs> and I think that's just an intimidating presence where I would probably be like, "All right, you guys win." About to get 
Zoolander up in here. Straight up. Except, you know, it's it's going to be like the scene with them at the car wash, except without the car wash part. <laughs> or the, the gas station, I'm sorry. No one play relax in that locker room. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, just, I just think that he's a, he would be a perfect fit. And to a lesser extent, Kevin LeBanc could be a great fit, too. We're talking about Andre Kasha. Kevin LeBanks is kind of the same guy without the injury history. Can play either wing, 24 years old. Obviously, his current contract is irrelevant because it ends and he's not signing for a million dollars again. Uh, has, you know, had the last two years scored 40 points, 56 points. Has been productive in the postseason as well. Has 26 points in 52 games this year. So he's on his way to another 40 points. Eh, maybe a 40 point season, maybe a high 30 point season on a bad team. Like Kevin LeBanks, a guy that could fit too. I I almost wonder if he's a little bit of a better fit, especially if you're putting him with two gunslingers like Kadri and Burakovsky, who you want shooting the puck. He has been more playmaker than goal scorer in his career, so um, you could absolutely justify doing that. And uh, another another thing with him that I think is uh, meaningful is that he's a he's a right shot, which this forward core could absolutely use another of. Yeah, I if LeBanc is on the table, I, I think that's extremely interesting. I mean, you're looking at whatever his next contract, five, six million for however many years, that's fine. You can you can manage that as well going through the rest of your window as the abs. So Definitely. you get a real shot to get something extremely cheap. And at that point, I mean, as far as cap concerns, I really don't think it's a big issue having to extend him. He's not going to be absurdly expensive. We've talked about how the Avs are going to find some money here and there with guys like Nieto coming off the lineup, Landeskog likely being at a much more reasonable price point now. Big more seven million than nine million. Right. So there's money to be saved here. They have Tyson Berry's money coming off at the end of this year as well. And obviously, some of that's going to Kale McCarr. Some of that's going to be going to Landeskog next guy next guy next guy but the abs they have some room to work with whether it be for kane or for an extension for someone like the bank yeah so i'm down man either one of those guys make a ton of sense and cost doesn't bother me on either player whatever whatever they would end up getting rid of i mean it's got to be a first round pick certainly for kane uh for lebank you could i mean given his age and given his situation and all that like I don't I don't know that it's a first, but it might be like a It's really hard to pin down value in situations where there's a player that has openly disliked his team. Yeah. And especially one that like you know they're gonna be you know that they're going to be uh pretty He's going to be a very popular guy on the market. There's going to be in a very lots of teams that are going to want upgrades. Are going to be like, we like that guy. Well, I think that situation gets interesting as well because when everyone knows he's on the market, all of a sudden the buyers get some power and everybody starts trying to lowball. Sure, but when it comes time for the team to actually make him, this, this dude's an RFA. They can just keep him. They could. That's true. Like, he does not have UFA, I'm just going to walk away from you guy power. And he's already said, this is not what I signed up for. 
if that's not what he signed up for, I mean, he's only 24 years old and only has, uh, this is his fourth pro year. He's not, he's three years from UFA. So this yeah. is, that is not a, like he, they, they will, you can lowball all you want, but San Jose is not in a position where they have to do anything with him because he's already so cheap. Um, they, they can just have the arbitration fight with him and, you know, let that play out. And then he comes back no matter what you have to get I, aggressive if you want to get a guy like that. And if there's eh. going to be a lot of teams involved, you know how it goes, man. That's how you get a, you get three teams, you get a good solid bidding war and you end up with like a first round pick, a first yeah. round pick and like Nick Henry kind of prospect yeah, sure. you know and i i don't think that's an outrageous price either so i think it would be like a super like middle of the road prospect you're not talking about one of your tip top guys <coughs> excuse me i don't even think you're talking about sample ranta yeah i i would agree with that i mean maybe i got if they want to take their chances with like a high end Russian or something that the Avs aren't sure are going to come over. Cough, cough, Zravlov. Yeah, I mean, or Kovalenko. Like, I personally, I'm way more confident that Kovi will want to come over. But yeah, I'm, I, I <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's I, I would, I would think Kovalenko would have more value than Zravlov. Right. That's also why I wouldn't want to give him up. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to give up some kind of value, though. But you know, eventually, like, sure, you just be like. Like, you don't want to give up Bowers in one deal, but you'll give up Cal for the other one. And it's like, eventually, man, this is going to have to hurt sometime. Otherwise, they're not going to get a deal done. Yeah, well, you hurt me enough in our fake hall negotiations. So <laughs> this makes me feel bad. <laughs> um, hey, literally, Alex Newhook just scored. Badoom. You know, it's what he does, man. Newfie power. I'm telling you, get screeched in while you still can. <laughs> That's a dude I'm not giving up. No, never. New hook is not even in the conversation. Yeah, uh, no. Sorry, you're gonna. That would have to be like a. I don't know, like a Brock Besser style conversation. You know, like somebody for that, the abs prospects. There's Byron and New Hook, and then there's everybody else. Right. It's it's kind of like Byron Byron New Hook and Timmons is kind of like in between the two yeah. the two tiers. It's, Tier 1.5. Exactly. exactly. Like, if we were going to make the pyramid, the top of the pyramid is Byron and Newhook, and then Timmons' name is written, like, right on the line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah. I I guess we'll wrap up this show. It's been a long one, but I think it might be a little bit because we're hyped that the Avs are actually going to be playing hockey tomorrow. So. Definitely. Also, um... These Friday shows, we would like running up through the deadline. Uh, the deadline, I believe, is on the 24th. Yep. And so that gives us three trade deadline shows that we would like to do every Friday. We would like to bring back exactly what we did last year, uh, where which is if you guys have trade deadline proposals, we want to hear them. We will pick out our favorites every week, and we will dedicate Friday of every week to talking trade deadline especially because they only have one game on Fridays in between now and then. So 
makes this very easy for us. Yep. Uh, for those, I would recommend sending them to info at thednvr.com. It's just the easiest way for us to keep track of them all, especially if you guys are sending them all week. So that makes it easier for us. You can also tweet them at us and things like that, but no guarantee that we'll remember to check our, our week old tweets. There's also a new uh, be a GM mode, uh, basically, on Puckpedia that just released. And those guys are super awesome and very nice, the ones that run that website. If you would like to use those, uh, those be a GM tools and make a handful of moves and just send us that link. That's also very easy for us to digest. Much same easier. Thing, same thing with Cap Friendly. I know some people prefer that, but um, Puckpedia also has the same thing. Both sites are great. Both sites kind of do the same stuff. So uh, if you want to send us either of those links, feel free to do that. 100%. That's what these shows are for. We want to make sure your voices are being heard and we're answering your thoughts on the trade deadline as much as anyone else's. When AJ has the info, he'll happily bring it. but. It's meant to be a, a fun chat about everything and anything hockey. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up this show here. As always, thank you for watching. We always appreciate it. And a lot of the players we talked about, particularly Kasha and LeBanc, are going to be finding themselves in new tax brackets very, very soon. So maybe if they're here in Colorado, they can go to Symbio Tax to get help with their tax return. Symbio provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax services from a licensed professional. And you know, we love taking care of our own here at DNVR and George is a diehard abs fan and DNVR subscriber. He can help you out with your rental properties, small businesses, investments, and help you understand all of the credits and deductions on your taxes to get a head start on your tax return. You can call at 720-366-4470 for a free consultation or visit them at symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O-Tax.com. And just imagine some outro music here for right now. It's coming soon, I promise. We'll talk to you on Monday.